Control is a big illusion too, by the way. We think we have it, but we really don't. So I just laid there and I thought, well, my nine millimeters right there in the closet. Yeah, Lord, I'm tapping out. Literally, I was like, God, I'm out. And I knew it. And uh, praise God, that thought led to... Today's show features Professor Chris DeGeet as he joins me for the second episode in Release, The Power and Freedom of Letting Go in Love. Why is today important? Well, as you'll hear, what other choice do you have when life becomes overwhelmingly miserable? Professor Chris DeGeet. Hey, Michael. How are you, brother? Welcome. This is your first time on the podcast, is it not? It is. It is my first podcast in history. So this is a momentous occasion. Is it really? It is. Absolutely. I did not know that. I'm a novice, so. You might say you're a rookie or maybe even a virgin. Yeah, there you go. That's for sure. Uh, So I am hearing, do you hear that noise in the background? The no. bring. No, I'm not hearing anything. It just did it again. Hmm. And it did it when I did it. Oh. Oh. So the street the stream labs uh geez, that's really funny. So I'm getting all these new follows. Wow. On Facebook. Um that's hilarious. I, I don't know if that's doing it automatically, uh, but that's what those alerts were. I'm like, what is happening? So this is my first time to stream live with my new Streamlabs OBS software and feels like it's working thus far. Let's hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and... I'm going to look here at the multi-stream feed. So maybe I will end up having to edit this for the podcast purposes since, you know, this is the first time to try it. But you are very kind, Chris, for uh, agreeing to jump in on this at very, very short notice. Hey, it's an honor, brother. It's an honor and a pleasure to work with you anytime. You know that. So you are the first professor other than myself to come on board at the Gary T. Smalley School of Marriage and Family Ministry. How do you feel? Does it feel like you want a pageant or an Oscar? <laughs> Maybe a golden globe? <laughs> no, but man, I'm seriously, I'm honored to be on the ground floor with you. I, you know, I really am. I'm excited. I see the potential in the school and, uh, the impact it can have on so many people's lives and is already having on my life and people that I minister to. So, you know, yeah, I did hit the jackpot in some ways. Well, you, I know you served in the air force, so Mm -hmm. you are a military vet. Thank you, sir. 
Mm-hmm. You uh, then got a master's in pastoral counseling from Liberty. That's correct. Uh, so I'm correct on your bio thus far. So far, so good. You're 100%. I'm, I'm going to show this to my wife because she <laughs> tends to have some negative beliefs that I don't remember details about people because I don't care. <laughs> And uh, so far, so I'm sticking up for you. You are a pastor at a wonderful church that I've had the privilege of um, doing an event for and preached at your services. You're outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. and you are uh, one of the teaching pastors there, and you get to do a lot of the counseling there. Uh, what is the thing that you love most about what you do? The thing that probably thrills me the most is uh, it's it's influencing people. It's helping see change occur in people's lives and marriages. And <clears throat> boy, there's nothing like it. You know, when you see couples who have come into the office just in total despair, have no clue, have no idea, how somebody could possibly put Humpty Dumpty back together again after he fell off the wall and then see them walk out just rejuvenated, you know, with hope. And um, that to me is the most satisfying thing that we do is touch people's lives and watch God work in and through us. Well, that, you know, I, I just recognized that you were saying something very deep and profound, which I then laughed hysterically at because I love the idea of, you know, how is Humpty Dumpty ever going to get put back together? But that is often how we feel when life is a mess. We Absolutely. feel like Humpty Dumpty and we have fallen off a freaking huge wall and we're all broken. We're shattered into pieces and we, we just think, yeah, that this will never get better. That's Chris. That is such a great example in terms of what we're going to be talking about today. So This is the second podcast in a new series I'm doing called Release, the Mm -hmm. power and freedom of letting go in love, right? So you and I have talked a lot about that in our private conversations. And, um, you know, I I talk a lot about that in our certification trainings that we started last fall. We've done two of them now. Our third one is coming up in May. No, the last week of April. Yes. And... If you are interested, if you feel like God's calling you to marriage ministry, and that doesn't mean you have to be a pastor or that you have to become a clinician, uh, but I'll say this much, God does that, right? I mean, how many people over your career come to you and go, I just, I feel like God's calling me to marriage ministry, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's, that's how God works. He right. has a plan and he has a purpose for you. And if it if you really do feel like you're called to marriage ministry, then go to smalley.school. You um, it, just go to the website, smalley.school. And for those technologically illiterate, like Professor Dejit. Why are you talking to me now? You know, almost every time we connect. There's a technological issue, and then I get the old man nose hair right up the the camera. Can I get back to the series? Am I am I lying? No, he's not, folks. He's not lying at all. 
<laughs> I know. I'm telling you, but it's okay. But hey, honestly, when you and I first met, okay, and we met in the lobby of the church, and I was introduced to you, and um, you told me a little bit about the school. You said, go check it out. Go to Smalley.school and check it out. And that's exactly what I did. And after I checked it out, Michael, it's like, you know what? This is exactly what I'm looking for. I didn't want to be a clinical counselor. You know, I wanted to be involved in marriage ministry and education in the church. And it's like, I think I just found what I've been looking for because I've been looking, searching the web for programs all over the place. Then do you realize what you just did? I made a commercial for our school. You did that. And, and you just use the literal lyrics from one of my favorite U2 songs because I finally found what I'm looking for. Remember that song? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course I can't sing. I don't know why I just attempted it. Yeah. You better stick to teaching and preaching. In my head, I sounded much better than what I ended up sounding. So it happens a lot with you though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. (laughs) I get in trouble. So, okay, let's get into it. Um, kind of feels like my headphones are dying. It's like really weird. It's kind of going, what I'm going, okay, I don't know. I might be having a stroke, uh, a brain aneurysm, because it's you funky. Right on my end, so. Yeah. Between your earphones is the problem. Yeah, we'll get, <laughs> that's fair. So. I've already done, I, I, I introduced this new series on the last episode, and today I wanted to get in, uh, well, yeah, kind of into the, the first major thing that you have to understand about letting go in love, and you could use the phrase detach in love. Uh, sometimes I call it the Dr. Strange technique. Mm from Marvel, like remember how he can like get out of his body, kind of be like the astral sort of whatever. He's like translucent, but he can observe, right? What's happening around him, independent from his body. Um, It can be called differentiation, but letting go in love, I totally get, feels like a ridiculous concept And it feels probably for a lot of people contrary or maybe even the opposite of what love is. Do you find that when, when, if you try to talk with someone or if you struggled with it yourself? Well, yeah, it's an interesting concept because when you think about letting go in love, it doesn't mean that you stop loving the person. There's a huge difference there. You know, a lot of times we don't let go because of issues that we still have that we want to resolve. So actually letting go in some ways is actually an act of love when you're letting go of dysfunctional behaviors of um, letting go of control. Oh man, is that gigantic? Letting go of trying to be the Holy spirit for your spouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Letting go of the past. Ooh. Past sins, you know, I, and a lot of times when we refuse to let go, like you just said, that just keeps us in bondage. And so sometimes letting go of a dysfunctional 
uh, behavior, way of thinking or feeling is actually one of the most loving things that you can do because it's a way that we can start putting some of the pieces of the broken puzzle back together. I might even argue it is the most loving thing we can do because it feels like letting go and love it encapsulates, it encapsulates, I don't know what that word was. It encompasses uh, so many things, right? So it's, it's, it's almost like it's a category of love, right? Cause there's forgiveness in there. There's non, you can't be controlling and you're not trying to control anymore. There's, um, there's other things in it. I don't know why I'm blanking. Help me out. Chris this is why I have you on the podcast. Not just to sit there and look pretty. <laughs> no, no. I'm, but I'm, you know what I mean? Like, what would be more, what is a mo- more loving thing than letting go of someone and releasing them to God? I was at an event recently and, you know, I can get carried away, as you've seen. And somehow I landed on, ladies, you're not the Holy Spirit for your husband. So I'm like, release him. And they're looking at him I'm like, release the Kraken. That they liked. Mm-hmm. Right. What do, you, what do you think the biggest um, reason is people won't release their husbands or their wives to be, to be themselves, to be people that God created them to be? I, I mean, honestly, and this is not meant to sound harsh, mm-hmm. they don't trust God. I mean, fundamentally, they're trying to be God, frankly, and they don't trust God that you're not going to do anything about this guy. You're Mm -hmm. not going to change this woman. So I need to try to do it. Right, right. And what I find is that when couples who struggle with this, um, control is one of the ways that they relieve their own sense of fear and anxiety. And, And it's just what you're saying. I need to be in control of this things because I don't really trust God to move independently apart from me in my spouse's life. And so therefore I have to take charge because when I'm in charge and control, um, I foolishly think that I have this, um, that I'm in control. (laughs) Control is a big illusion too, by the way, we think we have it, but we really don't. So, um, yeah, I would agree with you at, at the heart of a lot of that, uh, issue of control, it's fear, and it's a lack of trust in God's sovereignty and God's will, and His being able to move independently in another person's life apart from your influence. Well, and and I get it, right? Um, yeah. I get how you're hurting; they're wounding you deeply, mm-hmm. and you're trying to alleviate that pain. So, and actually, maybe we can encourage people who are either watching this live stream or listening on the podcast that your heart, even, even if you're refusing to let go in love and you're refusing to stop trying to be the Holy spirit for your spouse, your partner, or your kid or anybody, your parents, siblings, and your, your heart is, is in the right in the sense of you're hurting and Someone's probably behaving in ways that you don't deserve. And so you're trying to confront that and you're trying to address it and you're going, yo, like things need to change and get better. And, um, it's, I think what I'm trying to say 
is you're just using a dumb strategy. (laughs) I mean, it's your heart. And that's a lot of times, right? We get hurt and it's negative, but what we want, right? And I'm taking our VIP group. So if people go to smalleyinstitute.com, become a VIP. That has been by far the coolest thing I have ever launched or created in my life. It's a um, monthly membership where two, three times a week, we get to connect through Zoom. Uh, I'm actually about to launch this week an entire Discord server that I've, you know, been putting together that will make communication just for VIP members even easier with me and and even each other. Um, It is so cool. And and so we're going through a book right now every Friday morning at 7 a.m. Central where it's called Created for Connection by Sue Johnson, the inventor of emotion-focused therapy. And it is so, so powerful. But the one thing, and and my father, brother, and I wrote a book called The DNA of Relationships, right? And, And so we've been making this same premise for many, many years as well, that the core of our genetic code, our very DNA was designed for one thing, and that's to be in relationship with God and relationship with others. That's it. There is no, I mean, that is the thing we crave most. It is what we want most. And so, you know, what's, what's heartbreaking and, and I know you and I do it too, is when we want that most and it's not happening too often, our strategy to get that connection is broken. And it's stupid, right? So we escalate or we freeze and we flee and we shut down and Mm -hmm. we drink. We, you know, become professors at the Gary T. Smalley School of Marriage and Family. (laughs) No, wait. No, that's a healthy thing. (laughs) Right? But those are all broken, dumb, you need to knock it off strategies. But they're all coming from a an honest place of, I want to be loved and I want to love others. Exactly. Yeah. Like you said in your book, DNA of relationships, God created us for connection. We are like hardwired to be intimately connected with one another. And in the passage of scripture, you know, the first and greatest commandments, the first one to be connected to God, right? The second one is to be connected to others. And the third is how do we relate to ourselves? We're to love ourselves, you know? And so when, when we sense disconnection, we should experience something when we're engaged in activity for which we weren't designed or created. And when that happens, it's painful, right, Michael? Yeah. And so what we want to do is get rid of that pain. But the problem comes in, like you just said, it's like, how do we, how do we resolve that issue of pain that we're feeling as a result of disconnection? What is the strategy that we use? Well, That's why people are going to want to keep listening to this podcast series and become a VIP member because I'm actually at the same time creating, as you know, I do love to create my digital courses. Uh, We have an unbelievable platform, online learning platform that we use that is second to none in my opinion. And I'm creating the corresponding course to this series that, that I'm doing on the podcast and 
including all the notes and assessments and all these really cool things and downloads. Um, you know, one of them is called Unbreakable, and it's a 29-page um, trust recovery program. So if, if a betrayal-level trust has hit you, then it literally goes, okay, day one, here's your job. Here's what we're going to do in the first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And that's totally available uh, for VIP members. So smalleyinstitute.com. So today we're talking about release, the power and freedom of letting go in love. The, you know, the first thing that I really want people to understand is this is your only option. That's it. There, like, what other option do we have other than letting go in love, letting that person, releasing them to themselves and God? What is there some option, Chris, that I'm missing here or I'm blind to? I've been looking for it for years. All right. <laughs> and I think when I became 55 years old, I realized that, you know what? There are some people that I am not going to change and significant people in my life that I think God initially put in my life to where I would sense this uh, feeling and security that came that's supposed to be there as part of intimate relationships. Well, it, it wasn't happening. You know, it wasn't happening because of my lack of desire. It wasn't happening because they were making choices that kept us disconnected, Michael. And you get at some point in life where you have to just say, you know what? I am not in a position to change that person. I'm not going to try to change it. All the tears, all the complaining, all the whining, all the blaming, and all the shaming hasn't changed them one bit. And so you, you, you've got a choice. You can keep trying to manipulate your circumstances and control the other person to get them to respond in ways that would make you feel good, make you feel cherished, loved, and special. Or you can say, you know what? I'm just going to release them to God. And you know what, Lord? I'm going to still love them. I still want to be an influence in their life. But I am not going to allow their dysfunction or whatever their issues are to continue to control me and dominate my own thoughts, feelings, and behavior. And that's why freedom is in the tagline. That's what, what people freedom. I know. It's like you want freedom. We all want it. And it's like, okay, then let it go. You can't do anything about it. You can't make them do the right thing. And there is no other option. And oddly enough, usually where I tend to go when either a client that I'm working with or, um, you know, teaching it, whatever, right. is that you, what you want most, right? You want this person to change and you deserve it. I mean, they should change and do it better. Um, Christ gave the example. He showed us, hey, if you really want to change someone's heart for the better, Mm -hmm. love them unconditionally and lay down your life. Yeah. That's what yeah. he did. And he is continuing 2000 plus years later, changing hearts and lives because he died on a cross 
when we didn't deserve it. And yeah. so letting go in love, that's like Christ. We all deserved punishment. Amen. Right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like we deserved death. And what did he do? He, I actually never thought about this. And please, you know, as always, can correct me if my thinking is derailing. Christ let us go in love. Exactly. He, Jesus did not make us follow him, did he? No. I mean, he died for our sins. He was the greatest example of love that ever walked the face of the earth. Yet there were still people that rejected him, that spit on him, stoned him, whipped him, beat him, and crucified him. Yeah. Think about it. It's like, wow, he gave them the choice. And they, they, the choice they made was a, was a choice to reject him. So why do we think we're going to be any different? When we give people the choice to love us or not, um, and they choose to reject us, what do we do with that? Do we continue to try to manipulate them and hold on and reel them in until we can, you know, get the desired result that we want? Uh, Jesus didn't do that. He just loved them, even when they beat him and killed him. So the reason this is your only option, it's your best option. If you actually do want this person in your life to change, then let them go and yeah. watch what happens because the more freedom that you, cause that's, that's the benefit that you're going to get. You're not going to get bound, you be bound and tied up in knots over this person's negative behavior towards you because you don't need them to change and you'd like it, but you've let that go. Um, I've talked in VIP meetings and webinars, um, you know, the things that I've had to release over my life uh, and, and, you know, possibly, well, one of the really, really, really big ones. So, you know, and you, you're aware of my story and the crisis that my wife and I are still climbing out of and we are and we're together and we're living together and we were separated for a year and uh, our relationship got really, really unhealthy and toxic and at one point while we were separated, it was the fall of 2019 and I needed a break. My, you know, I'd taken care of we, not just me, but my wife was unbelievable taking care of my father, right? For about 18 months who then died home hospice at our home, which was technically their home. And my mom ended up staying on, which was fine. My wife and my mother get along great. Um, but you know, Amy and I hit this crisis, what, two and a half, three years after my father died and we're separated. And so now I'm just living basically in my mother's home, right? And I'm more miserable than I ever have been in my entire life. Never more miserable. Uh, and I just, yeah, I, so I got Absolutely 100. It was the most suicidal because I think we've all had thoughts, right? Man, it would be so much easier. You know, God, just take me home. Get rid of the pain. Yeah. yeah. We all do that, but I had never, I knew it. I woke up. I'd been, you know, as you know, I was struggling with alcohol at the same time, uh, drinking way too much. Um, and I'd been drinking, you know, in the middle of the night that night alone in my bedroom, so dysfunctional. 
And I don't know, it was six or seven in the morning. And I vividly remember just waking up so discouraged, so depressed, um, at odds at this point with my mother. We weren't getting along at all. And that's a 50-50 thing. She had her part. I definitely had my part. And so that whole thing is causing stress. And I just laid there and I thought, well, my nine millimeters right there in the closet. Yeah, Lord, I'm tapping out. Literally. I was like, God, I'm out. And I knew it. And uh, praise God, that thought led to, oh, you're serious. Like, right, as a professional, what do we have to do with a client? who says I'm suicidal, well, help me understand what's going on. And we need to know, do they have a plan that's actionable, right? So if a client, if, if, if I'd been your client and I'd said, Chris, it's all too much. You know what? My nine millimeters in my closet, I'm going, when I get home, I'm going to walk into the closet, grab my nine millimeter that's on the shelf, grab it and blow my brains out. What would you do? You got you to intervene in that case. Yeah. You got to call the hospital, right? And and yeah, exactly. and so, so I almost did it with myself laying in bed because I was like, "Holy crap, dude! Like you really are." Yeah, you're like I, you're. This is real. Yeah, you know what? I, what I'm hearing though, Mike, is is in the con context of your despair, in the context of emotional relationships, is the significance that you were feeling and being disconnected, you know, from your wife, from your mother, your father and his failing health. Those are three integral places to where we are to feel safe, secure, honored and loved. And all of a sudden it's like at one time. Yeah. You, you one of them the, died on me. Yeah. I mean, you've seen that you see the pain. Yeah. The oh my gosh. Well, and that's the thing about letting go and love is the pain is real when your relationships are broken, you know, it was my very next action was I texted, uh, two of my closest friends, Casey and Seth and said, I am seriously, uh, whatever. Uh, I don't know how I worded it, but I was like, I'm thinking about killing myself. So if you're available, I kind of need you. And both of them were there within 10, 15 minutes. Seth took a little longer cause he lived further away. And that's, you know, having that kind of a friendship, having that kind of a community around you is the point when, when you're this discouraged, when you're this depressed and you need, and so Casey hung out as long as he could. And I mean, honestly, even I think the act of texting and reaching out to them pulled me up out of that pit. Yeah. Not like all the way out, but out of the closet with a nine millimeter. Yeah, man. It was like, it was connection. You were, you, you probably Michael felt totally isolated and alone, right? I was. And then it was that sense of connection with your friends that kind of helped bring sanity and help kind of restore yourself. And so, uh, yeah, there was hope there. Hope that you had that you could establish some type of meaningful connection with someone that could just lift you out of the darkness that you were in at that moment. Well, and I did. Yeah. And, and it did, um, lift me out of the darkness. Uh, and so here's, here's why I'm sharing this. I, I want to make sure everyone hears and sees that 
in the moment, the, the most important things to you, uh, something that you crave and desire more than anything, right, is that to be loved well. And, mm-hmm. and if it's not happening, we've said today, well, what other option do you have? And, you know, after that moment, I was still high, feeling highly oppressed and depressed, and I needed a break from my mom. She's a wonderful woman, but I needed a break. I'd been taking care of my father and mother now at that point, four years, five, five, five or six years. And I asked her, hey, I need you to like go up to my sister's home in Fort Worth, Texas. So we live in Houston. They're in Fort Worth. And I need a couple of months break. I just need it. I'm desperate. You know, I'm, I'm more miserable than I've ever felt in my life. And just right now, I just need a break. Would you please go? No. <laughs> wow. She wouldn't do it. And I'm like, well, okay. And so I'm trying to share with her how big of a deal this is right now. I'm like, you need to understand that, you know, I had to have Casey and Seth because she wasn't there um, when that happened. Uh you know, had to come over because I was so suicidal. Like I'm not, this isn't just fun and I want to party. It's like, no, I, I need, I'm trying to get myself well. Right now. Right. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and at that point I was like, well, then I will drive her to Fort Worth and drop her off. And you, Michael, do you ever think that she ever got the sense of where you were emotionally in, in your need to, to get that break? Did, did that ever connect with her? Do you think? I, you, you, I don't think so. Okay. I think she in her brain, which kind of, we talked about this even earlier. I think her heart was, I love my son. My son is in crisis and hurting. I have to stay here because I can't help him. But right. She never of your need though well no she wasn't willing to listen to how she could actually help me but it doesn't mean that her heart was in the wrong place i i don't doubt for a second that her heart was michael is broken and hurting yeah i need to help and i know he's asked me to leave but that's not going to be good for him i need to be here and it's like ah crud you know Mm -hmm. i think even at one point i'm like look i know that you're wanting to help and i'm trying to give you a pathway to help nope just wouldn't do it. So then I called my sister. I was like, look, I'm going to put her in the car and I'm just, I'm driving her up to you. Well, no, hold on. And then now my sister's like, honestly, right now we can't take her. We're too, too much stuff going on with the church and they're both pastors and their, their youngest daughter and all this. And, and, and I'm like, I give her the same speech. Like, Hey, I, I appreciate that you're feeling overwhelmed and really busy right now, but I don't think it compares. I'm sorry, but like this is at a crisis level. This I need this desperately and she couldn't and she didn't. And so this is what I'm getting to in this episode is I deserved it. I desperately needed it. It was something I thought I needed more than oxygen itself was a break from my mother Right. after the very close decision to even commit suicide, I had never been more desperate in my life. 
And I kind of hung up the phone with my sister and realized, well, and I want to use a cuss word, but, well, crap. Apparently, I'm not going to get what I really, really want, what I want, what I want, what I really, really want. Uh, It's not going to happen. And so, crap. I got to, I got to. Apparently I get to let this go too. And, and, and so what I had to do was, well, then you need to figure it out, dude. Right. That kind of self-talk of, well, crap, I guess I got to figure this out. Like this is, and so I ended up setting up boundaries and, um, making it work where I was. Cause what I had options, right. I could have moved out, uh, into a friend's spare bedroom. I could have lived on the streets. I could have, uh, gotten an apartment. Okay. I couldn't afford an apartment. And when I thought of staying in a friend's guest room, as opposed to this gorgeous home, my parents built in, you know, in Texas that had water, the self-care of the forest and this big master bedroom I was in. Um, I thought, well, yeah, with the options that are available to me, I think I'll put up the boundaries and I'm going to stick here. And I, and I survived it. It, it. it doesn't mean it was like rose petals and glitter, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a difficult situation, but that's, I guess, where I'm trying to encourage people that uh, not only is it your only option, it's your best option. And you can do it. You can figure it out. What what I found in people is that blame tends to be the biggest killer in releasing someone and letting go in love. Blame is, <laughs> you know, it's going to be real difficult to re- let go in love and to release someone, to release the Kraken, if your current state of being is their fault, right? You're the reason I'm miserable. You're the reason that I'm anxious. You're the reason that I'm angry. You're the reason that I drink too much. You're the reason that I slept with that other person. You're the reason you, 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 you. Well, yeah, that, that is, that is blaming is it's grabbing on even tighter, pulling them right into your space nose to nose and you're giving away all the power you have. Some other ways that we might struggle in letting go in love and releasing is our future thinking, right? Believing you can't be happy or you'll be happy when, right? Right. It's like, well, I I can't be, you know, I'm suicidal and the, kind of biggest need I had, one of the biggest needs I had was that my mom give me a break. Well, I'm in essence going, I need that to happen so that I can be okay. And it's like, well, that's just not true because I don't have control over her leaving. Exactly. Right. What am I going to do? Hire a hitman? Now I have a whole new set of problems. Our past thinking gets us into trouble, right? So our attachment to how things should be here's how it was and I need that here. Or, you know, we come up with an entire neurotic out of control desire. 
you know, another thing I have down here on, on why we struggle with that is that is, is what we call that definitive thinking, right? That believing there are some wounds that you can never heal from, right? Like that I will never get over this. I'll never forgive you. I will never heal from this damage that has been wrought upon me. And that's another one that's false because guess what? You know, we have the power to get our wounds healed by Christ. He literally came to, came to heal the brokenhearted. There is no wound too big. Definitive thinking tends to not be overly helpful in any situation. The next episode is going to talk about the first step. So what do you need to release? And we're going to help you learn how to identify your feelings and kind of there's, there's three real unhealthy things that we do when we go through something traumatic and hurtful. And we're going to explore those as well. Um, yeah, that's coming up in the next episode. So thank you once again, Chris, and thanks everybody for watching and thanks for listening. Don't forget, subscribe, 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 hit that subscribe button on Twitch, hit it on Facebook, hit it on YouTube, wherever this stream may be. I want you to just to subscribe or I will find you. And I will post very hurtful live streams about you personally. No, I will not do that. But subscribe and thanks for watching and listening.